today we want to talk about commitment again, and we're going to speak about commitment to the church, and uh, the passages are from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 16. Commitment to Christ includes a commitment to his body, the church. Culture applauds uh, a self-made person, an individual who, with little more than grit and determination, overcame obstacles to become the top in his or her field. The reality is no one succeeds without the help and support of others. Unfortunately, the self-made person idea is embraced by some Christians. I've got Jesus and I don't need anything else. One of the blessings Christ gives us is a family, his body, the church. We need the support of other believers and they need ours as well. We belong one to another, many members, and one body. Christ is the head of the body, and we are flesh of his flesh and bones of his bones. But he is the head of the church, and it is to be run as he directs, and according to his pleasure, not ours. One of the questions here at the beginning is, what are your first memories of the church? And I spoke here a couple weeks ago about going to Maiden Lane Church of God uh, early in my life and remember riding the church bus and things of, of that sort. But it did leave an impression on me. In Romans chapters 1 through 11, Paul lays out the doctrinal foundation of the good news of Jesus Christ. He gave the Christians in Rome a robust explanation of the key doctrinal truths associated with God's gift of salvation. Beginning in Romans 12, Paul applied the truths to the lives of believers so they could grow as healthy disciples. One of the primary points of application involves the need for believers to express their devotion to Christ by their commitment to the church. I could use the example of being a part of a team, maybe a sports team, or maybe in your workplace, part of a committee or a group that has a specific function. Everyone needs to get along with each other. It's not your agenda, but it is whoever is the head of that uh, group of people. And as we said, the head of the church is Jesus Christ. And it is to be run according to his directive. Let's go ahead and read these first couple of verses. Ron's not here, bless his heart, of which he, him and Sue were, but whoever would like to read. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is a woman, not to think of himself, shall highly 
going if you want, Kenny. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member one of the Would you like to keep reading, Kenny? Go right ahead. Having been Thank you, Kenny. What a blessing. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Paul is speaking here about humility and the importance of humility. We know it's very easy for us, it's natural for us to think pretty highly of ourselves. But it takes grace to see what other people are and to keep a sense of moral proportion. Whatever a person is 
for whatever a person has accomplished, it is all due to the mercy of God. We are complete in Jesus. God gives grace to the humble, but God resists the proud. From James 4, 6. No flesh should glory in his presence, and that Christ is our wisdom, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. From 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 29 and 30. God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Keep in mind here that faith is viewed as the inlet to all other graces. God has given to each his particular capacity to take in the gifts and the graces which he designed for his general good. There are various degrees of self-estimation, for God gives one more and another less, but all should be fundamentally regulated by humility. For no one has anything that he has not received. Whatever you have has come from God's mercy and God's grace. So we can't claim that it's our sufficiency that, that made uh, something happen. All believers belong to one body, and that body is Christ. We are baptized into one body, and that by the Holy Spirit of God. Each of us belongs to the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of that body. We are members of his body. God does not give to each member the same office, the same gift, or the same ministry. We don't have 15 sound people that what Larry does in running the sound equipment that's pretty much his ministry. We don't have 10 music directors. God has made the difference in the parts of the body intended for all of these parts to work in unity. Just as the human body does. Our heart, very important. Our brain is important. The blood vessels. Uh, the blood that forces our veins, the nerves that we have, the, the brain sends signals to the nerves that enable us to walk, uh, tendons and ligaments that tie together to our bones with the nerve endings enable us to, to move. These all must work together for the good of the body. Each one is important to the body, and such as is in the church. There is no one ministry that is any more important than the other. Now, we like to think of the pastor as certainly a, a very important position to have, and that it is. But someone that is walking around the outside of the building picking up trash or picking up paper, someone that takes out the trash, Someone that's over here sweeping the floors when there's no one else here. That is a vital ministry for the good of the body of Christ.
and each is looked upon by God as important. And we have a tendency to look at things as men look at them. Well, that's, that's not important, what they're doing. What I do is more important. And God doesn't see it that way. He sees it uh, much different than that. If God calls you to be the janitor in the church, be the best janitor that Jesus ever had. Amen. If he's called you to direct the music or direct the choir, be the best at it that you can be. That your zeal be on fire for what you're doing. We don't do things, uh, let's say it in a business. Sometimes people are called to do things out of necessity. And this is your marching order, so to speak. This is what you need to do for what the company requires. It's very easy to have an attitude of, well, if we've got to do it, let's go ahead and get it done. Whatever we can do to get past this, let's go ahead and do it. Christians are not to have that kind of attitude. We are to be on fire for what we're doing here for the Lord. Uh, an example of, of when the body works together. And uh, I know God is glorified. At the old church, when we would make pizzas and subs, did you ever get in on that? It was organized madness. <laughs> you had a 50 boxes of buns over here, a bunch of bags of ingredients, and you got 25 or 30 people that are willing to put this stuff together. And it always amazed me how God's Holy Spirit would take over. Nobody told anybody what to do. There was, of course, leaders that would maybe encourage someone that we need uh, some more sauce. Or, but everyone did it in love. And it was a blessing to, to be a part of it. I look forward to when we make pizza and subs again for just how much fun that that, that was. Candy eggs were more fun. Mm. And candy eggs at Easter yeah, were more fun. I think I got in on one of those too. Mm -hmm. God, uh, help us to find the will of God for our lives. Yield to God to direct our daily life and uh, work. And when we find the place of life that God has for us, God help us to do what we do with humility, simplicity, cheerfulness, and faithfulness. If we serve him that way, then at the end of all things, we're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We are given gifts according to the grace that is given to us. Some have the gifts of prophecy. Some have the gift of ministry.
teaching, exhortation, whether prophecy, let us prophesy. Now in the Old Testament, prophets were spokesmen for God. God would speak to prophets, and they in turn would share what God had told them to the people of Israel, or whoever would hear. But in the New Testament, a prophet is one who speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. We are to instructed to follow after love, charity, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. It's a grand and glorious privilege to be a mouthpiece uh, for the Lord, to tell men that Christ died to save sinners, but we are admonished to prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And those that are well versed in scripture can speak more on scripture to other people, but that does not negate those that are young in the Lord can also prophesy and tell what God has done for them as well. And someone that is uh, deep in Scripture and been a student of the Word for a long time, they can go deeper into it and perhaps answer questions that people would have uh, regarding Scripture. But prophesy is to just tell what God has done, what God has said in his word. It's the same uh, thing as prophet, prophesy. We are to prophesy according to the proportion of faith God gives us as we study his word. We are to rightly divide the word. And it is a grave sin for God's teacher or God's preacher to wrongly divide the word of truth. If ever I'm up here teaching and I say something that is in error, stop me immediately. Because it would not be intentional. But there are false teachers. They've crept in unawares. And they like to tantalize and tickle your fancy, so to speak. And if you're not up on it, People are easily distracted and led into a false belief of things. They accept a lie for a truth. Or a, well, you know what I'm saying. God gave some apostles and some prophets, evangelists and some pastors and teachers. This list, yes, Penny. Go ahead, Kenny. I, I wasn't looking over that way. I know, but when you prophesy, you also have to preach it as well. I'm sorry, but... I know, like, what it was saying, like, you know, if there gives you a prophecy, you prophesy. It sounded like, you know, God giving the word to preach. I, I can't understand what he said. When people were prophesied, when they were given the gift of prophecy, 
that they were also teaching at the same time. Is that what you were saying, Kenny? Yes. That they okay. were teaching. Yes, it is. Any evangelist, prophet, a pastor, or a teacher is not ministering the things of the Spirit or to the edifying of the body of Christ and the building up of the faith of the saints would be better off to just stop. Uh, stop the ministry. Every officer in the church should have a single eye, a single desire, a motive to see what he or she can do to build up the body of Christ, to strengthen believers in the faith, and to advance the cause of Christ on earth. If that is not the motive that drives us on to do what we do in the church, then, then take the church, or take a seat. We're about trying to build up, disciple, and encourage our fellow brothers and sisters in their faith. Often, people come in here, good Christians, they're beat down. They've had a rough week. Things have happened. Maybe they've been to the doctor. Maybe someone's died. We are to exhort and encourage them and minister to them uh, such as according to God's word and direction to do so. He that exhorteth or exhortation, it means to just comfort fellow believers. Perhaps you know someone that this past week's had a rough week. Call them. Ask them if there's anything that you can do for them. Uh, we have directories. We have old directories. If, if you're not sure of the number. But call and encourage them to not, not give up. Don't, don't leave the church. Somebody said so and so. And I, I didn't like the music. Uh, we, we don't like that pastor that's in here now. So we're out of here. We have to, in love, minister to them and exhort them. If they choose, so choose another route, then I pray that you find another church that, that fits you. And uh, I hope you continue to grow in the Lord. It says to bless them that curse you. Now, it's almost impossible to do that naturally. But through the Holy Spirit, we can minister to those that we may be considered to be our enemies or adversaries, so to speak. Treat them nice. When you see them or speak to them, do so in love. And here in uh, verse 9 where it talks about uh, let love be without dissimulation. It means to let love be without hypocrisy. Uh, love without hypocrisy for the fruit of the Spirit, first of all, is love. Feigned love is nothing but disguised hate. The command to love sincerely in the Lord from the heart 
But this caution about love is virtually the theme of the rest of the chapter. We are also admonished to abhor that which is evil and to cleave to that which is good. If you hate something that's evil, you separate yourself from it. You're done with it. I don't go there. I don't go around people that practice that or do that. Separate yourself from that. You hate it, so why would you have anything to do with it? Now to uh, cling or cleave to that which is good is a, a reference to gluing yourself to something that is good. Being fast, fastened with something that is good. That's what you want to be about. That's what you want to be associated with. You cleave to it, and they use the strong language of being glued to it. That whatever they're doing, I'm, I'm part of that. I'm, I'm glued to it. It means join fast together. This is the word cleave. To glue, cement, or fasten firmly together. It is not abstain from one and do the other, or turn from one and be drawn to the other, but a much stronger meaning is implied. Abhor the one and cling, or be glued with the deepest sympathy to the other. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Of this kind of hypocrisy, Paul had warned the Christians, I believe that the exhortation here is love the brethren in the faith as you would a physical brother or sister, just like a member of your family, that you would love them. Prefer someone else means to go before, take the lead, show as an example in showing the honor that is due to the brethren of the church, showing honor to those uh, whose gifts entitle them, entitle them to respect in the church. It is only those whom the love of Christ constrains to live not unto themselves who are capable of thoroughly acting in the spirit of this precept. And there it goes right back to not thinking too highly uh, of yourself. Not slothful in business. What, means, what that means there is not uh, secular business, but don't be slothful in your zeal and your enthusiasm. You can use the word business like, man, don't be in my business. Or that, that's the business I'm about. Be enthusiastic about it. Not lazy. Fervent in the sphere of the Spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in the sphere of hope. Our hope is not just wishful thinking. Our hope is grounded 
in the truth of the gospel that Jesus died for our sins, he's coming back for us, the church. And it might be today. So we can rejoice in that hope and be happy. We're patient in tribulation, zealous to do good works, anxious to do good works, and should do them cheerfully, praising God all the while, fervent in the spirit, not lukewarm, but on fire for the things that we're doing for the Lord. When you have a body of believers that is enthusiastic and of one mind accord, God, you open a channel for God to bless what's going on there. And that's when it's a wonderful thing when that happens because each individual member or part is in the will of God, doing the work of God. And it's a mystery sometimes how that all comes about. But it is the work of the Holy Spirit. And then you have harmony within the body. That's just like our physical body. As we said, when it all works together, your arms and legs, let's say you like to walk, or young people may run, get out and jog, or play sports. All those parts of the body are working together to be able to do the intended task. And such as it is in the church. If we're all in harmony and unity one with another, and not preferring ourselves, well, I'm not doing that because I don't like to do that. Well, maybe there's something else that you can help someone with that maybe you had an experience doing years ago before you were in church. Hey, I know how to do that. I used to do that a long time ago. And God will give the gift according to the proportion of faith that we have. Patient in tribulation. It's real easy to be happy and joyful when somebody's patting you on the back and telling you how, how good a job you're, you're doing. But when things go awry, someone called you out on something or knocked you down a notch or two, it's pretty hard to be joyful. But through God's grace, we can rejoice. By God's grace, it can be done. We can still rejoice in tribulation. Sometimes you may be verbally attacked by even someone in the church. Don't roll up in a ball and leave and never come back. But stand steadfast in the Lord. 
honor him without how you would react with that. That's what we need to do in order to really demonstrate the love that we're supposed to have one for another. Is when we get offended, you do exactly what Jesus said, and that is if you have it on against your brother, leave your gift at the altar, go reconcile yourself with your brother, and then come back and offer the gift. And we're supposed to go to our brother. I'm not supposed to go to you and complain about uh, somebody else in the church. That's not transparency. That's not openness. That's undermining. And at that point in time, we are moving, we should be moving with our prayer life in this church towards unity, unity because we have a monumental task before us with the search committee and what they're doing. Yes. And we need to we need to be supporting them with uh, with prayer. Uh, I remember when I was with the Gideons. I love the motto of the Gideon Auxiliary, the wives. Wives, Gideon Auxiliary on their knees to keep the Gideons on their feet. So they were the channel of power and strength going through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the Gideons to keep them out in the forefront. That's what we have to be. We have to be willing to receive the gift of God, the grace of the Holy Spirit, to open up to people and when we have a problem with somebody, we go and we talk to them about it. Yes. And, and not condemning them. Not saying, hey, I heard that you, you go up and say, hey, can I come talk to you for a minute? And I heard that somebody so-and-so said this about me. Of course, I, the way I would have handled it, if somebody told me something like that about you, I'd say, well, who said that to you? And I don't want to hear it. So I'll, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll try and help track it down and, and stop it because that's the first thing. That's what the demonstration of love is, is that we stop that shenanigans from going on in the church. Absolutely, Jim. Amen. Satan loves when we go there. God is not the author of confusion. No. And that's, that's when there's a breakdown of communication. In the church, people leave uh, or disgruntled over this and that, and it seems to snowball. But we need to address this, as Jim said, with love, a genuine love, and uh, humility once again, and mm -hmm. dealing with those that may be a little strong-willed or strong in their conviction about something. Uh, You'll never argue anybody into the kingdom. You must uh, diplomatically, and according to scripture as well, don't sugarcoat it or sweet talk it, but uh, as the Bible teaches, uh, handle those type of situations. Continuing instant in prayer. In your hope, be joyful. In your suffering, be steadfast. In your prayers, be unweary. It takes a real Christian to weep and to laugh at the same time, to be sad and to be filled with joy at the same time, to suffer severely and yet be steadfast, to pray seemingly when there's no answer even near, and yet be unweary. I thank God for that. Prayer life that I, I'm not in no way bragging here or drawing any attention to myself, 
but it's been my experience since I've been saved that I knew that if I'm going to do well at this, you better get in God's Word. You better get into prayer and cultivating a prayer life that is genuine and not a five-minute lip service, but setting aside time each day and being with your brothers and sisters when you can and ministering to them when there's a need. Take, for example, if someone's house burns down or I believe that this body of believers would all respond with open arms to whatever that family needed, we would give and joyfully give to uh, someone that was in, in that kind of need or the death in the family. We've seen it in this body of believers that there are ladies that will fix a meal and we can't hardly do that right now on account of COVID and the different restrictions. But when things are open in the church to where we can do those things, that is a ministry in itself as well. To go to a viewing, Edie's sister passed here a couple of weeks ago. And those who could supported her by coming to the, the funeral. You don't have to say anything. But for someone that's hurting like that to look out and see their brothers and sisters, there's great comfort in that. Because it shows that I'm with you. I rejoice when you rejoice. And there again, too, it's unnatural for us to be happy when someone else has maybe done well or received something. We have a tendency maybe to be a little envious or jealous. Well, I don't know why he got recognized for that. But as Christians and being filled with the Holy Spirit, we rejoice when someone does well, when God has blessed them in, in a special way. We, we are glad for them. We're not envious or pouting because they got that and we didn't. We're happy for them. And the same as well as in, uh, someone being uh, grieved, given to hospitality as well. Be hospitable. Hospitable. Pursue hospitality. Look for opportunities to perform acts of hospitality. If someone needs something, or let's say a family come in and we don't have enough room in our house to keep everybody overnight, rather than get a motel, you're in a big old house, uh, let them come and stay with you for a night you would be blessed in so doing. In so doing. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. 
from Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. I think I'm out of time. <coughs> Well, I uh, thanks for your patience with me, and I thank you for your support as well. <laughs>